200 haircuts. I need you to cut 200 heads. Yeah. Okay. He said $5,000. 200 heads, $5,000. That's, that's, that's what the barber charged you. That's what he wanted to charge me. Okay, cool. What I'm going to do, though, is Hold I'm going to take that. that num- those numbers don't sound right. 200 heads, 5000 I wonder. I don't know what he equating. He probably is. equating in there. Five. You got to go into the system. How much is it per head? Twenty five dollars. Oh, so it's a, it's there a cut. Go. Regular stuff, right? Oh, that's not even bad. Now, what God, I did, Lee. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> to, for a barber to make five thousand dollars, they have to cut two hundred heads. But that's why they charge. What do they charge right now? $40, 40 a haircut? Yeah, I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, they charge a little more now. I don't care. Yeah, I cut my own hair, man. Right. I don't got time for it. <laughs> sure. I've been in the mirror like this. Right, right. myself up. So what I do is, okay, my man won 5000 Let me go see what another barber is going to charge me for the same 200 heads at the same prison system. Now, let's say another barber came to me and said he wants $7,000. Okay, cool. No problem. Obviously, I'm going to go with the $5,000 because it's the lower quote. But it's a guy out there that want to charge me $7,000 for the same thing. I'm going to just put my two on top of it and send a um, proposal to the government for $7,000. He make his five, I make my two. Oh, so that's why you're getting the second quote to see, like, what is a normal rate? There you go. Because I don't don't cut hair, so I don't know if it's high, low, if he gouging me or not. I don't know that. So I have to go get another quote so I can price compare. We do it all the time. I got to get uh, a roof done on my house, right? I'm not going to go with the first person I call. All right. I'm going to probably call like five people. For sure. It's the same system. It's the same mindset. I want to call multiple people to see because the purpose of it is, right, how much money can I put on top of this thing? But you can't know if you just get one quote. You know what I was thinking? I thought in, in government contracting, they say... I have a certain amount of money to do this particular Everybody job. thinks that. Everybody thinks that. They're, my students, they'll come to me and say, well, how do I know what they're going to pay? They don't know because we're bidding. Because we're bidding on it. If they say we want $200,000 for this contract, everybody would bid what? $200,000. <laughs> right. So it's no, it, it'd be, it would so be no purpose. So the trying to save their money too. Like, yeah, you know, so, so they're doing exactly what you did. Like, yeah, and, so I'm taking their system and I'm just doing it the opposite way so I can co- sit, submit a competitive quote. It's the same thing. Very lit. <laughs> okay, so back, back. Okay, we're going to just, I, I want to like let everybody know. How long you been doing this? 2008. 2008. Yes, sir. Since 2008, what has been your one biggest contract? Uh, 3.2. 3.2 million. Yeah. One contract. One. For how long? It was 3.2 over four years. So the government paid $3.2 million to you over four years. Yeah. That was for elevators. What do you mean? To do maintenance on elevators, 132 elevators. But you don't know nothing about elevators or nothing about maintenance. I never never even seen them elevators or seen the people working on them elevators. Never seen them. What state was it in? California. 3.2 million (laughs) to to install and maintenance elevators in California over a four-year period. 
how much did it cost you to find and source these people? And how long did it take? Oh, man, that's a phenomenal question. So, number one, it cost me nothing to go to Google, right, and mm. find companies that want to do this work. That's yeah. the first thing. So, that's zero. So, it probably took me, like, mm, maybe, like, two weeks because each contract has a, a date that it needs to be due, right? So, let's say I find it on May 1st. It's mm. due May 30th. Right. So, I got to turn it in May 30, before May 30th. Mm. So, but I want to gather all my information within a two-week time period so now I can do what? Go through my numbers and make sure I'm getting a decent amount too. Obviously, I'm not trying to get the same amount they're getting, Mm -hmm. but I want a nice amount too because if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't have to work. For sure. You feel me? So I got to make sure I add my money in there too. So I I give myself a two-week time period. And how much did you pay out on the 3.2? On the 3.2, I paid out uh, two, two, four, nine, nine. So about 2.5. Yeah. But so I you made $700,000 as a middleman. And I ain't do nothing. And I still, I, I still got their contact info. I didn't think about it at first either. Like, I got to the agency and I was like, I have made it. Like, my parents were like, you're going to college and you're going to be a professional. So I went to college and I became a professional. I worked at the CIA. I was like, I'm going to work here for 30 years and get my pension. Like, woo, like I am success. And then we left. We are brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice downstairs. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And this is very important if you wanna take care of the most important thing in your life. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can shave longer. And the waterproof technology allows you to groom with this thing in the shower. They've even upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Don't make the mistake I did. Don't use the same trimmer on your face that you use on your nasty nutsack. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CONCRETE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code CONCRETE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. We had our son and Andy was like, let's get closer to family Let's do something for ourselves, um, you know, because when you when you work for something like the CIA or for the military, like your life is not your own. Like you have signed the contract to perform a mission. And I definitely believe in the importance of that. But you have to go in with open eyes like your life is not your own. Like you can't just pick if they say you're going to a war zone, you're going to a war zone. Um you know, for the greater good, the good of the mission, right? So when we left, I was lost. I was like, Andy was like, freedom, I'm going to do what I want to do. But 
I was completely lost when we left because I was like, I just met my goal and now I'm doing what? Like, what is my actual purpose in life? Because I realized that wasn't it. Like the fact that I had left, right? That wasn't my actual personal goal. I had been following somebody else's dream the whole time and I met it and my parents were very proud but I wasn't doing that for myself. Mm. So it's like the person who's working, you know, 60 hours a week, not seeing their family trying to reach this monetary goal. Their family might not care about that. And do they actually care? Do they, they might think that they're doing it to provide for their family, but are they like, are they doing it because they think they have to, would they be happier making, you know, a, a third less money and spending more time with their family like you know it's just critical thinking has to go into it i think now how how did your worldview or your perspective on politics when you were younger get changed (laughs) when you got into the cia because I believe on one of the of your podcasts, you talk about your parents were hippies. Yeah. When you grew up. <laughs> yes. And they raised you. You had a very liberal, progressive mindset. Yes. Before you entered the CIA. So my progression was my parents are very liberal, both of them still. Um, and then I went to undergrad and I hung out with tons of people who were like left of liberal, who were they called progressive as was the word and I was very progressive (laughs) and then (laughs) I went to law school and law school was the first time where I it was a smaller environment so my undergrad was a very large school so you kind of pick your niche and you hang out with those people right it's like how people tend to hang out with like-minded folks Law school was smaller, so I was forced to hang out with whoever was there. And then I was forced to hear all these other perspectives. And other perspectives from people who were intelligent enough to explain them. So suddenly I'm hearing not just another person's perspective, not like a a regurgitation of... Like a bumper sticker. Yeah, exactly. But people who like could defend their ideas... People who were open to hearing other people's ideas, right? Like the whole point when you practice law is creating a solid argument. But that argument can go either way, right? I mean, that's what you have prosecution and defense. You have two sides constantly. So you're constantly practicing making both sides of the argument. And it was this really powerful exercise for me like three years of constantly having to think about both sides of an argument and that was the point where I started to shift center um and you were meeting more like some some folks were there were some older students there some people had different life experiences so you're starting to be exposed to different kinds of people and then when I got to agency the agency it's full of brilliant people, really just sharp, intelligent, patriotic, um, you know, people like I had had friends from all over the world before, but suddenly I'm with people who not only are from all over the world, but are 
like very American as well. So some, so I started getting this much broader perspective of government and government's role and how other countries are perceived. And I didn't agree with everything there. I mean, there are still some things where, you know, I, I, I think it's really important for intelligence and diplomacy to be able to step into the shoes of another culture. Of an- Based in the day, they still call me, obviously. They want some more work. One contract. That was just one. Yeah. But I got 40 of them. That's what a lot of people don't understand. You got to watch, rinse, repeat this thing. What yeah. is going on right you got- now? <laughs> All right. You got to okay. watch, rinse, repeat it, man. The thing is this. There's not a lot of companies that know how to obtain federal government contracts. That's the first thing. So the federal government continues to call the same companies over and over again, even though they know you don't have a specialty. What they do know is you can find a subcontractor that's going to do the job of the scope of work and get it done. That's what they know. Golly. Mm -hmm. How many contracts do you have right now? Forty. You have 40 contracts. Yeah. Various numbers, right? They're not all 3.2, but they're not all only 3.2, bro. Right, right. (laughs) You feel me? So nowadays, I've tapped into the real estate world and federal government contract. That's a different space. That's a whole different beast. But 30 of my contracts are four years and better. So that's that residual. You know, month after month after, and that just uh, just that particular isolated situation of three point two is spread out over four years. It's over four, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So, and how do they pay it out? Every month, every thirty days. So they take three point two million divided by the x months, amount of months, yeah, whatever the months, and so then they just yeah, I joint. invoice, I invoice. So I see how much money I gotta charge them every month. I hit that invoice button, boom. Maybe 15 days later, in the same month, that money come through. So you send out 40 invoices every month. Yeah. Well, now, not me, but. Right, not yeah, you, yeah. yeah. But the team, yeah. That's lit. All right. Co- <laughs> okay, so let's let's take them back. Let's take them back. Like, who is Jay White? Like, how did you get started? Man, I was working at the gas station. I was In 2008, I was working at the gas station. BP. My homeboy rolled up on me. I was. Serving gas. The ball behind the glass? Yeah, that was me. So you pulled up on me. So everybody got a little salsa, right? Right. If you my people, I'm going to give you some free gas. You give me $20, I'm going to give you $10 worth of free gas, right? What year is this? It's 2008. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. you can just pull up to the tank. It ain't like now, right? You got to pay before you play. Right. Back then, you could just go to the pump and get right, it in. Right, right. Yeah, Hold so. on, we're, we're in Maryland? No, no, no. I'm from uh, Virginia. Virginia. From North, yeah. Did they pump the gas for you in Virginia? No. Because they did in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New Jersey yeah. don't pump the gas for you. Well, that's up north, down south. Virginia ain't necessary. Virginia is somewhat some yeah, well, we north. in Georgia, but we Virginia, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's... it's Virginia is <laughs> not necessarily considered south. It's is the it? south, baby. Yeah, it's like borderline. Because D- I'm saying, but DMV is uh, Delaware. Okay, Maryland, okay. So Virginia. I'm below the DMV. So north, you got Northern Virginia, 
And then yeah. you got Tide Water. I'm from Tide Water. Okay, so we right, consider. Cool. Right, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I know it in Virginia. Okay. All right. So you're the dude behind the class. Like, yo, let me get the chapstick. You're like, all right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that. you. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Hold on. All right. You want this one or you want that one? That's me. What sushi sushi you want? Or oh, you want the great one? All right. Cool. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So how did you? So he rolled up on me. Who? My homeboy. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to do federal government contract. I'm going to get a truck. I said, what's federal contract? What is that? I had no clue. He said, hit me when you get off work. I said, but I got you. Next day, my boy went to jail, actually. Went to prison. The guy. Yeah, he went to prison. The next day, I hit him up when I got off. Nothing. I hit him up the next day. His mama told me he got locked up. I'm so cool. He put the bug in my ear because he said it was such enthusiasm. I was like, yo, what is that? Like, he was hype. He's like, I'm going to get a truck. I'm going to get a federal contract. Ooh, I'm about to do this. I'm like, man, okay, cool. So he put the bug in my ear. I did my my YouTube research back then. So I tried to piece everything together. It took me three years to win my first contract, though. So I started in 2008. I didn't win one until 2011. Dang. Yeah, I was struggling. I hate to, number one, I hate to read. I told you I got a PhD. Right. Public high school. Right, right. So I don't got it all there in terms of the education. Like, okay, I, I, step one, step two. Step, I ain't, I was just trying to That actually makes me it. feel real comfortable because I hate research. And when I, I hate it. I, because I've, I've heard of the industry and all I see is paperwork. And I'm like, yeah. this is not for me. Yeah, yeah. Period. So. I'm just the guy, you know, jump out the window, build my parachute on the way down, and I'm taking all kind of lumps. Like, I can't figure it out. I'm getting frustrated. Three years. Three years. No contracts. None. Zero. But peep game, when I went that first one, it was over. Because I started to document what I was doing. Because I was getting close. All the ones that I was losing, I noticed I was getting a little better at certain pieces. Okay, man, my pricing is better. Right? Because at first... I might charge the government $20,000 to clean toilets. Like, I'm way off. I'm way off. But I didn't compare prices. I wasn't doing low. That's super high. To mm. clean toilets, maybe two. Like, I was doing stuff like two toilet contract, $20,000. I want $20,000. Gotcha. I'm going, I'm going too hard. The federal government, I'm thinking of it as like a blank check. Mm. Like I was doing it wrong. That's how I think of yeah, it. Yeah, I was yeah, right. Yeah, I was yeah. doing it wrong. So, boom, my pricing got better. Then my timing got better. Remember, they all got due dates. So I was submitting them after the due date. Mm. I didn't have no computer for real. Like, I was all jacked up. I was just working with what I had. So my pricing, my timing got better, but more importantly, my communication got better. Because every contract has a contract specialist. Mm. Most people don't even communicate with them people. I communicated with them because I didn't know nothing. Okay, what's the definition of this word? I will call them. Okay, why do I need to sign this document? I will call them. So I started to notice the more and more I called, the more information they was, they was actually teaching me how to do it oh, as wow. I'm going through it, right? They ain't even know. So I started to document the things that I was doing and saying and the responses I was getting back. And then I won my first one. The first one I won, it was for 125 bucks to me. Except Farrakhan broke, so nigga, I'm trying to give me some goddamn money, or uh, peel me some money, touch me some bitches, Mac and Slack Jack, <laughs> go fuck on the beach, 
uh, lay in a hot tub, nigga, and pop grapes in my mouth, and yeah, and fuck plenty bitches. But yeah, nigga. Damn. That's what I'm saying. You know, like that type of lifestyle, entertainment, shit like that. You don't be yeah. worried, like people try to cancel you, stop opportunities. Man, I've been like doing that before I got here. I've been fucking bitches. Oh, nigga, I've been a hell of a <laughs> nigga. So now, nah, who go? Listen, homie, can't nobody stop no hell of a nigga. Man, can't nobody. Nick Cannon ain't no hell of a nigga. He let them stop him down. He let them kick. He supposed to go do his own motherfucking thing. Start doing his own goddamn show. Man, can't nobody stop no hell of a nigga unless they kill him. And even if they kill him, can't nobody stop him. Nigga still playing Nipsey Hustle. Nigga still playing Tupac. So you can't stop no hell of a motherfucking nigga. For so. So no, man. Oh. No, man. Nigga better not fuck with me. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, earlier you had uh, spoke on uh, Farrakhan shit like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't fuck with Farrakhan. Yeah, what's your uh, what's your? Issue I used to be a Muslim. Oh, uh, this my issue, homie. Uh, we gotta listen to a man. Yeah, yeah. Why God got to tell him everything, and he don't tell us nothing. Why God teach man? No, homie. Why, why, man? Why, why we got to have a man? And this man don't seem to have no flaws, but all us got flaws. He ain't got no flaws. We don't know what he do wrong. At least y'all know I smoke weed. I cuss. I call a woman a bitch. Oh, <laughs> uh, so my flaws is shown, right? Uh, Obama, man, this man didn't have no flaws. Nah, homie, them ain't our men. We need to see men with flaws. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't follow no man, homie. I ain't have no daddy, so what the fuck I'm going to follow Farrakhan for? He followed Elijah Muhammad. Elijah Muhammad followed Farad Muhammad. All these niggas following, man, fuck them niggas, homie. I need to see something else other than a nigga talking, telling me about a book he done read. Nigga, why we can't see his spirit like we seen grandmama them spirit in that kitchen making that food, nigga? We saw them women's spirit, nigga, when we were sick and they took us to the doctor. So how I'm going to reject, nigga, what she gave me, the love I got from this woman who told me about the God she served. Ain't now nigga gave, Farrakhan ain't gave us that love. He ain't gave, he ain't fed the village like Muriel and Mama them feed these fed people. All the niggas that got to know Farrakhan got to go to jail to know him. Homie. We don't know him from the world. You was blessed to know him through your grandmother. But because of who your grandmother was, you got the favor from him. Nigga, if your grandmother's, you see what I'm saying? Your grandmother. Yeah. So, uh, it's not to, I ain't, I ain't got no leader. I come from some old niggas don't hear nothing Farrakhan got to say. And I ain't never heard him say kill no white person, huh? Now, I don't promote killing in nobody. But nigga, I done participated in some things. <laughs> I done participated in some things, nigga. And what I participated in and what we were doing to white people who we thought was our enemy based on what we heard the old niggas say, man, I don't hear Farrakhan or no other person talk like that. They ain't really mad at white folk. 
So I'm saying, oh, man, he talk good for them jailhouse niggas that don't have no identity as no man. I don't speak Arabic. I don't know now slave that did. I told you I can trace my name back to the plantation. And I talked to people that were born in the 30s, in the 40s, right now today. And they say, no, nah, man, we don't want to hear nothing them niggas talking about with no Quran. So, you know, what changed for you? Like, because you say you was practicing. Yeah, yeah, I was Muslim. So, I didn't want to stop eating pork. Yeah, I was a Muslim who never quit eating pork. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I snuck and ate it for a while. And since I was the gang leader, I said, fuck it. Yeah, nigga, I ate pork in front of them niggas. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they came. They had a pizza party one time. And, and, and them niggas had an all cheese pizza that was Muslim. And that motherfucking pepperoni and sausage with them peppers on that motherfucker look way better than that cheese pizza. So yeah, I publicly ate pork in front of the Muslim niggas in uh, the Imam Omar Sharif. Yeah, so ever since then, I've said, yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> I was playing anyway. Yeah, my mama Jesus loving. I really loved Jesus. I was just being rebellious because I was mad at God for letting me get locked up for killing that white man. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't no real motherfucking Muslim. And don't no real Muslim blow themselves up like the real Muslim. Them the real motherfucking Muslim. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie. I be, I don't, I don't know what they teaching them, but whatever it is, it's, it's some shit. Cause I don't know no other religion that'll kill themselves. Yeah. These, these, for these black Muslim, these niggas just playing. These niggas just angry at their daddies and and barking at white folk. You ain't never seen none of these Muslim niggas blow up a car. Yeah, they don't even know. dedicated for real. Yeah, yeah, them <laughs> niggas just sell newspapers and fruits and wear bow ties. Them other Muslims don't even wear bow ties. Yeah, them other white boy Muslims and long real Muslims, they don't even wear bow ties. They wear dresses. <laughs> so much, he shouldn't have been downtown trying to pass that $20 bill. Them white folk called the police on him. He was down there acting erratically, like a dope fiend nigga. He was high on dope. Then, and one of them, when the white boy get him before they can even get him out the car and put him on the ground, guess what he go to doing? Uh -huh. Crying? Yeah, that nigga went to crying on. The white boy body camera showed it all. Now, when he, when he in the house with the black woman, victimizing the black woman with the gun in her belly, invade her home. He wasn't crying in. 
But when the white boy get him downtown, full of that goddamn dope, and he know he got to go to jail, he down there trying to do all the dope thing tactic, trying not to go to jail, swallowing the dope, crying, not wanting to get out. <laughs> nigga, get yelled, nigga. He wasn't no nigga that got the will to live, and he ain't no nigga that got the will to kill. Because you only want to kill your own, nigga. White boy laying on top of you. Nigga, whatever you got to do, nigga, but you don't lay down. Them ain't my kind of niggas. Nigga, I remember I used to make the white folks hog tie me, nigga. I used to make the white folks hog tie me and drag me down the hall. And I used to holler, break it, break it. They twisted my arm, break the motherfucker. When the police slammed me on the car, I hit my head, boom. Yeah, they trying to kill me. Fuck, I'm gonna go die submissively. <laughs> Eric Garner died submissively. Subservient, docile motherfuckers. George Floyd just laid there. Subservient, docile motherfuckers. You ain't got no will to live, nigga. Let alone no will to kill your enemy. Now that motherfucker Mike Brown. Mike Brown tried to take the boy gun. Mike Brown tried to take the boy gun, man. His thumbprint was on the gun. Mike Brown was a soldier, was a warrior. He didn't just lay down. Trayvon Martin didn't just lay down, nigga. And them was babies. You see how the difference between the old niggas and the young niggas? So we don't want to hear shit from you old niggas, nigga. I'm the new minister for the young niggas, not Fabricon. You old niggas, the old days is over with, nigga. The old days is over with, nigga. I'm the new minister for the young niggas. You saw how Mike Brown died. You saw how Trayvon Martin died. You saw how Freddie Gray died. They didn't die just laying down, nigga. The old nigga been laying down for too long, including Farrakhan, Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton. All the old niggas been laying down, man. They ain't gave us nothing to follow. That's why we had to follow boys. Little boys like Raymond Washington. Little boys like Tookie Williams. We had to follow boys. Who you think started games? Boys? Teenage boys, nigga, I'm preaching. Don't tell me to calm down. I'm in preacher mode. Nigga, I keep telling you, bitch ass nigga, I'm the minister. Stand up and clap and say hallelujah, but don't tell pastor nothing. Let me deliver the message, nigga. Let me sweat, let me spit. Let me deliver the message, nigga. I'm the preacher. Bitch ass nigga, shut y'all bitch ass up in this church house. Come in here and shut your motherfucking mouth because don't nobody want to hear you in real life. Why you think you over here listening to me? Because you can't talk in real life and somebody will listen to you. Now, choir, y'all stand up and give them a selection. 
So we can go and close out the service. Close out service. Yeah, choir gone. Someone you niggas sang. Yeah, bitch ass nigga, you nigga got something to say. One of you nigga write a, 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 a sermon song, nigga, a gospel song, write something. Since you bitch ass nigga got something to say. So we gonna close this motherfucking sermon out for the day, nigga. And make sure Whack 100 get this. Make sure Farrakhan get this. Make sure every last one of them Muslim niggas in New York is mad at me. The Puerto Ricans, the Mexicans, whoever mad at me, nigga, get in line. I done left a whole bunch of motherfuckers feeling how you motherfuckers feeling, nigga. And as long as I'm alive on earth, nigga, with ten toes, two hands, and one eye, I'm the best. You know, really cool gadgets, and everybody knows how to do kung fu. <laughs> like everybody knows five languages. Um, you know, everybody was cool and good looking, and it was really. I'm I'm a huge fan of James Bond, so I really was like, this is the agency. Once I got there, I realized it's it's a diverse place, and one of the biggest things that really hit me when I got to the agency is how many different jobs there actually are. So all the movies are about the exciting case officer, right? The James Bond, um, the Ethan Hunt. But you get there and there are HR people. There are people who clean the waste baskets. There are, you know, cooks. There are analysts. There are mechanics. There are graphic designers. There are really yes, like there's a print shop there. People work that you know, like there are IT people. So it's just like any other. It was, it was insane. Like how cool it was to walk in and to see the seal, and you have to get past the guards with your special badge, and all of that felt super cool. But you walk in. And it's cubicles and people doing, like, a plethora of different jobs, like any other business, like any other government organization to keep it running. You just happen to work on things that are super cool that most people don't know about. And that's what I enjoyed the most was kind of having this insider insight into world events that I was already interested in and then I had an even even more of an insider perspective where I was like this is really cool and I can affect things in a way even if a small way that nobody will ever know about and for me being behind the scenes is huge like I love being behind the scenes like affecting somebody that nobody ever knows I even touched that's that makes me feel good right Mm -hmm. I see the end result and I'm like boom I did that great so now, when you got there, did you get to sort of choose the path that you took, or did they do that for you? So, in the interview process um, that I went through, um, I was uh, I was going for they have different tracks. Mm-hmm. So, I was going for a certain track, and there were like three different do- job descriptions that I could go for. Um, I picked one, I entered, I decided shortly after, they have a, a really long orientation period and then a really long training period. So I decided um, 
I originally was a desk officer and I decided that targeting was a better fit for me. When I entered in 2007, targeting was brand new. They had just started it. It used to be that case officers themselves would do that kind of work. They would be the ones that found targets and figured out how to approach them, but it really wasn't efficient for them to be doing that. They really need to be out in the field meeting people. So they created an entire job description for people who specialized in finding who they were going to meet. So then all they have to do is spend an hour with me and I say, this is the guy, here's his photo, here's his family, here's everything we know about him. He's going to be at this place at this time. He likes this kind of stuff. Go, you know, go meet him and be friends. If they spend an hour with me, it saves them a ton of time. Um, I can go much more in depth because I'm interested um, than the case officer would be able to because they have a million other things going on. So, um, yeah, so for me, I was able to change tracks during the training period and then be certified as a targeter. Okay, and then how did you meet Andrew initially? <laughs> were, you, were you guys both training? or We were in orientation together, so they enter everybody, no matter what their track is, um, together. And then that's when they do all the HR stuff, right? Like, here's how your health insurance works, mm. and here how's your, you know, how your paycheck works. <laughs> like, make sure you sign up for medical benefits, all those, the intro stuff um, that you don't think about happening at the CIA. <laughs> um, so we met, I think I, I noticed him after the first week and he was always, uh, seated between two females. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I decided, wow. yeah, I saw him from a distance and I was like, I'm going to meet that guy. And so it took me about three weeks to get a seat next to him and start up a conversation um, and he was great. As soon as I introduced myself, he was like, do you want to go out on a date Wednesday? I was like, yes, yes, I would. Wow. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was great. So um, the bummer for him was I was dealing with um, an anxiety disorder at the time that had just kind of, I'd had it for about six months undiagnosed. Um, so I was having all this anxiety constantly and it was making me really physically ill and um, so he asked me out on the date. The night of the date, he called me to ask directions to my house. And I was like, I was throwing up. <laughs> I was like, I was oh, like, I can't no. go. He's like, are you sh like, do you want coffee instead? Do you want? He kept trying, trying, you know, and I'm like, I just can't. And that was the very end of our orientation. I was like, I can never see this guy again. Like, he makes me throw up. I have too much anxiety. I like him too much. I was like, I, this sucks. Like, I'm never going to see him again. So then we spent, like, I think a, a month working on the same floor in our offices, completely avoiding each other until I bumped into him at a staff meeting. And then I was like... It was, How old were you? I was 27. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was intense, and I was. It he was a very patient man, because we had a lot of tea dates, <laughs> when mm. I was like, I'm really nauseous right now. <laughs> like you make me so nervous. <laughs> now, now this like it, it, it 
parlayed into you guys eventually working together, like right as a team. Yes. And that was that like before. I challenge any grown man, homie, on this internet talking, nigga. Produce this how you separate the man from the boy. Nigga, get out them corners. Take that camera out that corner and flip around. Let's see how you niggas living, homie. For you to have so much, see, this is what make me such a bad motherfucker. And I, I, yeah, I can pat myself on the back. See, because I can stand on this shit, my nigga. All the shit that I'm saying, I can stand on. I can pull your news articles. Man, I've been doing this. Man, let's come over here and do this. Come, I can do that. They can't, homie. They got to put themselves in front of the camera and talk for drama. I'm talking for change. It's just I got a bunch of niggas bringing a bunch of drama to me. I came to the internet positive. But I got so much hate on the internet, nigga, I'm going to reflect what's before me. I'm going to reflect what's before me, nigga. And you think I'm going to get an internet the real me? They going to keep getting this goddamn character that they tuned in. They'll never get the real me. have over there like they don't have mosquito control like i mean here this it's interesting when you look at the history of the united states and you realize like united states used to have malaria we do not any longer there used to be dengue fever here we do not any longer like there were giant campaigns to eradicate america of these diseases right um but it's not like that in asia it's not like that in africa Mm. You know, all of that still exists. The UAE actually had um, a really huge campaign to eradicate malaria and TB um, when they came into their oil money. Um, the health of their people was like a huge push. Um, so, yeah, but that's not everywhere. What about Zika? Is Zika a big problem in South America or anywhere else you've been? 
So I haven't heard much about Zika, which is another interesting thing because Zika was all over the news when I was pregnant with my second child. And Andy happened to go to Latin America that year. And we were terrified, you know, of Zika. Mm -hmm. Like if he got bit and then we were together and I was like, all these things. Um, Weren't you, were you pregnant with your first son or with your son when you were in South America or were you? In Asia. Asia. Okay. 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 And then I was pregnant with my daughter here in Florida. Um, But Andy had a trip to South America. Oh no. Right to like Zika land. And, um. Yeah, and it was, it was my, even my obstetrician was like, oh, like, he probably shouldn't be going, but, um, yeah, so it was, what's strange to me is it was all over the news, everybody was terrified, and now nothing. I haven't heard anything about Zika. No, me neither. So where, like, it's not eradicated, I promise you, so where is it? I looked on the CDC, because I'm getting ready to travel to to Central America, and I'm oh, yeah. trying to, like, gauge it, because my wife's pregnant right now, yeah. with her second kid, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out if it's too much of a risk for her to go, mm-hmm. you know, so, I, yeah. I, but I, I think there was, last year, there was, like, 200 to 300 cases total in in Costa Rica. Oh, in Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah. and then they're, like, mm. usually certain areas because, like, the mosquitoes, mm. there's mosquito warrants. So. And certain times of the year where, yeah. like, it's the wet season, wet the season. rainy season. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been to multiple places in Latin America and never had an issue. I've been bitten by lots of mosquitoes, mm. never had, you know, any kind of mosquito-borne illness. Right. Um. Yeah, it is interesting. But I so funny enough the where Andy caught dengue, um, his sister um actually caught dengue in the same place. Really? Yeah. So I think like there there must just be certain areas, right? I mean it's a it's a backpacker place, so yeah. and tons of mosquitoes and standing water and um mm-hmm. so yeah, so I, my guess is that when you look at cases, they're probably localized if mm-hmm. they're not, you know, all over the place. So another weird thing about the uh, the vaccines is a really good friend of mine had had cancer when he was a child, mm-hmm. and he had like ungodly amounts of radi- radiation and chemo, wow. and uh, it affected his body quite strangely like like there's certain things that that really fuck him up like if he, if he has a beer he's mm. hung over the next day for like the whole day wow and like different different little quirky things with yeah with him and um when i had my first kid he went and got a tdap shot mm-hmm. oh that's nice of him yeah it was very nice of <laughs> yeah him. super nice guy um <laughs> And uh, because he wanted to hang out with us, and he mm-hmm. loves kids, so he wanted yeah. to like, hang out with the kid. And yeah. and, um, and the Tdap shot literally had him like in horrific night sweats oh. for like twenty four hours. Oh my gosh. He was like he could barely eat, he could barely breathe. He thought he was going to die after he got that shot. Wow! And he just got the COVID vaccine, and he yeah. said nothing. Really? So it's interesting how different vaccines or mm-hmm. different whatever how they affect the body in different ways depending on 
yeah who you are and just like the same thing with with the different viruses like the way andy caught dengue and it affected yeah. him like that my wife had coronavirus she caught it she was like deathly ill for 10 days wow. and i was around her the whole time like helping her and doing anything i never got it i never even caught yep. it i didn't catch it either i was right there with them yeah yeah so it's just it's really interesting it's i mean it's one of those things like you never know how the virus is going to affect you mm-hmm. you never know how the vaccine is going to affect you mm-hmm. i find like i find biology to be like this super inaccurate science because there's so many factors right like like your body's history like your current state of health i mean there's you can't guess i mean you can kind of guess like that's how i feel about birth control right like there's you're trying to change your biology there's tons of different types of birth control you have no idea what any one of those are going to do to your body right so you just guess and you kind of keep fingering, hope for the best. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, cool, G. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah. I think we're about at our time limit, but uh, I really appreciate your time. I had fun yeah. talking to you. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank what you. about, are you guys uh, planning any more big podcasts or projects anytime soon? So we are going to work on a big project in Maine for the next couple of months. We're doing a, um, uh, it's called uh, OpDef, and it's um, operational defense course that we are um, that we are building. So we're really excited about it. So we're renting like a little house in Maine off mm-hmm. the coast, and we're going to just kind of like pretend to beat each other up for two months and practice <laughs> all our moves right <laughs> and get them on video for people so they cool. can um, learn how to defend themselves um, more from the perspective before you ask anybody for one thing make sure you give 10 and be proactive so many times people oh if you need me that just let me know i'm coming no say yo i'm here what you need me to do mm, i like that and and be intentional about your relationships. Every last thing you do should be intentional. You shouldn't leave your house unless it aligns with your goals. No matter who you're dealing with, it has to make sense. That's the only way you can trim the fat. I say I like I would rather throw away a hundred pennies to get four quarters. Surround yourself around quality people. That's going to help you get to your mission, who think like you, who move like you. It's going to make sure they push you and motivate you. Because sometimes who's going to motivate the motivator? So you got to have those people that's going to be a cheerleader. So when shit hit the fan, you got somebody that's going to support you. When your back is against the wall, you have people that's going to jump and defend you. And just go at it, man. Don't give up. To get what you what you need and what you're looking for, you know the day that you gave up could have been the day that you made it. Wow, I love it, man! Listen, you can't close out a podcast no more, no better than that. Listen, man, go follow my brother Spectacular, man. Do me a favor. 
Go get you some social proof, meaning I want you to go build something, okay? Lock in, be consistent, be persistent, focus on your relationships. This is one of those podcasts you probably need to just listen to for the whole month, okay? Just listen to it (laughs) because there's so many uh, gems being dropped. So go get you some social proof, okay? Go build something, and I want you to uh, come back to the community and teach them how you did it. We are out of here. Peace. What if I told you for $1, I will introduce you to hundreds of entrepreneurs every single morning this week from all across the country. You'll be able to talk to hundreds of entrepreneurs and I'll coach you. I'll coach you for a dollar this whole week and I'll introduce you to some of my successful friends for a dollar this week. Would you would you take part in that? Well, go to themorningmeetup.com because that's exactly what we're doing here, okay? The only organization that gathers entrepreneurs every single day for the betterment of entrepreneurship, okay? Every single day, Monday through Friday, we gather, we're growing, we're learning. We got a book club. Have you ever seen hundreds of entrepreneurs reading the same book? Every single chapter, every single day, we're growing together, okay? You need the environment to grow in. TheMorningMeetup.com, a dollar. I'm going to give you all this for a dollar. If you want to stay, great. It's $79 a month after that. If not, no obligation. You can leave whenever you want, all right? TheMorningMeetup.com. I'll see you in the morning. And he said in that Quran, what the fuck would you do if we took it away? What would you do if we took away the water? We can cause the earth to swallow you up. Wait till you get to your grave, motherfucker. Okay. Niggas can talk all that shit about me, whites, whoever the fuck. Nigga, Frisco Dom is a dumb motherfucker. I may be a dumb motherfucker, okay? But I believe in God and I fear what is in the grave that is awaiting my bitch ass, nigga. Okay. I'm not going to play with no shit like that, nigga, or talk about some shit, nigga, that created this entire world and this goddamn universe, motherfucker. So you got some motherfucking balls on you, nigga, to try to talk shit, nigga, to a god that you don't even know if he's sitting there listening to your bitch ass, nigga. So keep on talking shit, nigga. Keep on talking shit, nigga, okay? But you got to go to that grave. You got to go to that grave. Every motherfucker watching this video got to go to that grave. And you're going to have to face whatever the fuck is waiting for your bitch ass. Okay. And I see a God saying, nigga, all your motherfucking life, you ignored me, motherfucker. You ignored me all your life. Now it is time for me to ignore your bitch ass, nigga. Now. Now, send your bitch ass to hell, nigga. Ain't no motherfucking hell. I don't believe in it. You'll believe in it when you see it, bitch. Now, you take that and put it in your motherfucking pipe and smoke it with your bitch ass. Now what, motherfucker? I'm going to put up, put in the music. People think oh, I'm going to go to the studio every day and one of these songs going to be a hit. Yeah, one of them songs gonna be hit, but not if you don't got no money. You have to have some money behind the song, period. It ain't gonna work. Nobody's gonna hear. You're only gonna set yourself up for the these bigger artists who have money to be digging like they do. These bigger artists, they don't do anything but go on YouTube, find artists who don't got no money, and steal their shit.
You feel me? They steal this shit. Yes, y'all know. Y'all heard about it. Oh, man, that was my song I made in 2015. That was my song I made in 2014. That is not fake. That's all real. They're going to go take your song and switch that shit around. So, you need to stop putting out that fucking music and get a bag. Get the bag. You get more respect anyways from everybody. From the vloggers, from this person, from that person. They definitely want to see you come from the ground up. But they definitely want you to have everybody, like for me, right? I'm, like, I'm, I'm assigned somebody, right? But me, I need a hustler like myself. You feel me? Like, you, like, when you look at all these other artists who have these guys that they sign, notice that they sign big hustlers. Big time niggas that's getting money. Big, you know, niggas ain't really just going to sign and niggas that ain't got no type of hustle in them because... It's almost like a drag. It's almost like a, you know what I'm saying? It's one of them like, damn, bro, you feel me? Like, niggas is looking for that, that hustling nigga, the nigga that make you excited when they come around because they always get to the bag. That's fun. You want a, you want a fun motherfucker. Like, you know that they always got the XA. <laughs> yes, go get it, right? Or, man, I got, we got this project, you know, this looks great. What do you think about it? Or, hey, Spec, um, this was wrong and this was wrong. I don't know what to do next. What do you think we should do next? So all of that goes out the window. It's, no, this is what I tried. I tried this, this, and this, and this works now. Just letting you know. Or I tried this, this, and this, and it. I'm stuck now. But I'm you're stuck. more satisfied because we went through some innovations of trying to figure this thing out. Right. I'm stuck, and this is the solution I'm thinking of. If you come to me with a problem, you should be coming with, to me with a solution. Don't come to me with a, any problem without a solution. Oh, golly, this is heavy. And I just realized that I haven't been focused on speed, me personally. So I this course, and I shot the course. It's pretty much done. It's just you know, it, not, it, it's done now, and uh, we're we're getting ready to release it. But it was supposed to be ready for Black Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's supposed to be ready in like April. Yeah, I shot the joint. It was I shot it. Supposed to be ready like April May. Then. It was supposed to be ready for Black Friday. Then it was supposed to be ready for Christmas. Then it was supposed to be ready for the first of the year. But I haven't been focused on speed. You would have been fired a long time ago. I would have had to fire myself. <laughs> because it's like the funnel people and the emails and all that kind of stuff. No, I, I'm being literal. You got to fire yourself. You're holding yourself back. That's the issue. You got to put somebody in place, leave them accountable, give them a deadline, and tell them they need to make it happen. Mm. It would have got done a long time ago. I need to focus on speed, bro. Mm-hmm. Dang, this is good. Building your team out. Because if you build your team out and you leave them accountable for it, then they have to make the deadline. It won't keep dragging. It's only dragging because you're the owner. You're the CEO. So you can drag your own stuff and not be accountable for it. Or you can just get an accountability partner. That's another game changer. And put money on it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You ain't going to lie to yourself. You get your accountability partner every single week, Tuesday at 12 p.m. Pacific time zone. Get on the call. You're going to talk about relationships, your, your relationship. You're going to talk about health. You're going to talk about learning and your business. Those are the four things you're going to talk about. And out of those four things, you need to put a dollar amount on what's what, whatever is the most important. And if that course is that, then you need to put $100, $200, whatever's going to make you move. You need to be accountable. How you be accountable, you got to lose something. That's how you move. Yeah, big facts. Oh, my God. All right, so so tell me about the academy yeah. and why you built it. Right, so the reason why I built the academy is because every successful business is solving a problem. And I feel, after having numerous of conversations with people who went to college, 